Hey guys, John here. Do me a quick favor. Go over to Good Pods, go over to Apple Podcasts, go over to wherever you guys get your podcasts from, and rate us over there wherever you guys get your podcasts from. I have Zoe here. Zoe and I are actually going to be reviewing Candyman. This is a long-awaited review that I've been wanting to do for a while, so let's go on ahead. Let's get started. Hey, how are you doing, Zoe? Howdy, how you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. Having a little bit of difficulties, but you know how it goes when it comes down to podcasting. So it's good to be able to talk about a little bit of Candyman with you. It's good to have you on the show for the very first time. If you, In case anybody wants to know, tell everybody about your podcast. Well, my podcast is the Backlick Cinema Podcast. And what we do is we, that meaning myself and my son, we're bonding over movies. So I like to introduce him to movies that I love when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We bond over those movies. We talk about it. And then on the podcast, I talk about what both me and Zach loved about the movie that we watched. That's always a great thing to be able to bond amongst each other, especially, you know, introducing a new generation to movies that we grew up on and everything, too. So that's always a plus side to actually uh, growing somebody, you know? Right, right. So with that being said, let's go on ahead. Let's get into our our uh, main event, if you will. But yeah, this movie is called Candyman. Of course, this starts out and is also came out in 1992. This is actually hands down one of my favorite urban legend horror films that came out in 1992 and stars of course tony todd as the candy man and i already probably said it more than five times in front of a mirror just now so but still i love this movie because of the urban legend because of the mythology behind candy man and also to the horror element inside of it and of course you have helen who's trying to investigate everything that happened within the projects of this movie and trying to figure out if this is actually fact or if it's actually fiction and the fact, too, that you're also having Helen, who's also trying to balance her college career along with her uh, boyfriend that she's with. So what do you think of the introduction of Helen? I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so the movie opens. I, she's interviewing somebody about the urban legend. So what I was immediately impressed by was the fact that it's set up as an ur- urban legend. It's not all that similar to other horror movies. So where it's like basically the horror springs upon them. This is something that is kind of known, but not really talked about or well documented in the community. So she's uh, interviewing different people about what they know about the urban legend. And I think at this point in the beginning, that's how she's investigating it. She, I don't think that she's investigating as a real life event. She's just, I think she's collecting mm-hmm. information for her, the- her, ooh, her thesis, thesis on urban legends. <laughs> I'm getting it out. <laughs> it's her all good on urban legends but yeah that's what exactly what she's doing she's trying to collect information on her thesis for her college um for her college degree and that's something that i really liked was the fact that she's interviewing somebody to find out more information about the Candyman behind this uh whole entire investigation and you know of course you wind up seeing where basically helen wyatt does wind up going over into the projects to investigate it because everybody said oh the Candyman lives here and so helen goes on ahead and investigates it over there with her friend right and one of the things that kind of struck me about helen is that she gave me real scully vibes it's like almost immediately i was like oh that's a lot like scully from the (laughs) x-files exactly that's actually how that's actually a good way of actually putting it it does have this x-files kind of flavor to it in a way with where it's kind of a detective kind of movie but it's at the same time that it's not really a detective if you think about it because on the fact that she's writing something on her thesis paper, but it does have that kind of X-Files kind of flavor to it. So I definitely like how right. you put it into that perspective because I never heard of, heard of that in that perspective before. So yeah, if Scully were, uh, were like more like Mulder in a way. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can definitely see that. And of course, I also like it when Hel- Helen's hearing the story of the Candyman. And then, of course, you know, everybody goes for the bad boy types. And then this urban legend, she tells the boyfriend to go upstairs. She has a present for her for him. And then you wind up seeing her uh, saying Candyman four times. But then she sends him back downstairs and tells him to wait. And then he winds up. So, of course, she winds up getting slaughtered upstairs. And you see the blood dripping down. Then, of course, the boyfriend's freaked out and he leaves. Oh, so. Yeah. At yeah, wisely. Yeah, uh, trust me. If I saw blood dripping down from my root from my ceiling, I'd be, I think I would leave too. To be honest also, with you. <laughs> also, yeah. So this, you're you're describing the the actual the story that's being told to Helen. So this right, is kind and, of a flashback, but this is like just a story. This is not an event that somebody has actually witnessed. So, but did you recognize the um the boyfriend in that scene? No, I didn't. Yeah, because I was looking at him and he was bothering me because I was like, I've seen this dude before. And it can be distracting when you see somebody you recognize and you can't immediately, immediately place them. So that is Ted Raimi. You've probably seen him on Xena Warrior Princess. Oh, and wow. Okay. Projects. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's funny, right? Because he's always, every time I've ever, any other time I've seen him or remember seeing him, he's always played like a, tar- a cowardly type. But in this role, he's the cool boyfriend. He has a black leather jacket. He's, he's kind of, He's got like the Fonz uh, vibes coming off of him. So I'm like, I was like, oh my God, it's Ted Raimi uh, as a cool kid. And it's funny, it's before <laughs> I knew who Ted Raimi was. He was just like an extra in the movie the first time I saw it. So yeah, yeah, that was a uh, Ted Raimi. Uh, what's his name? Raimi's brother. <laughs> as, as a Sam cool Raimi. Kid. Yeah. 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 So I definitely like the fact that, you know, you have someone that we're not even, that we grew up on, that we never knew that who he was until now which I thought that was actually pretty cool. Right. But uh, this is another thing, too, is they also visit the scene of a murder where Helen discovers a room where offerings have been left for the Candyman. Afterwards, they meet the victim's neighbor, which is Anne-Marie McCoy, a single mother raising her infant son, Anthony. And, of course, the way that's played into that narrative is the fact I like how she goes into this apartment in this complex and she opens up the mirror. And then behind that mirror, there's actually a secret passageway that's going into it. So I definitely like how they have the mythology there, even though it's somebody else that's just ripping off the Candyman name, trying to scare people. Just yeah, that, so that way he can get what he wants. Yeah, where she goes into that abandoned apartment and she moves the bathroom mirror. Because in the original tales that she's heard, you say the Candyman's name in the, in the mirror three times and it's almost always a bathroom mirror. And next thing you know, somebody is murdered. So her theory is that if there are kernels of truth in the story, then that means the killer probably came in through an actual bathroom mirror not that he came through the mirror itself but they pushed the mirror out the way it's like the mirror slash medicine cabinet he pushed it through the wall and crawled in from the other apartment and crawled into the victim's apartment and killed the victim and this is actually kind of based on things that have actually happened because these apartments were built so cheaply that either your room was directly adjacent across from somebody else's bathroom or there was very little space between yours and somebody's bathroom and somebody figured that out and they pulled out their mirror and pushed in your mirror and crawled through the opening that I created and caused <laughs> all types of havoc. So, <laughs> which actually makes sense though, from that standpoint, because it's more, she's trying to deny the fact that Candyman even exists as well. So that's also what pisses off uh, Candyman even more is the fact that he's not being taken seriously, which is also why he even goes after Helen right. as well. Went, or she, there's enough of her because his whole existence is dependent on uh belief in him so mm-hmm. this is uh what you call it one of the themes of this movie was like belief 
or uh, like uh, literary tales and those sorts of things. So he requires somebody to believe in, in him in order to exist. So he's constantly telling Helen to believe in him, right? Let me <laughs> allow, be my victim for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the dude has like bees all over him. And she's, and then of course he winds up abducting her. And then, you know, but the story with every Candyman, Candyman movie is there has to be a survivor that tells the story. Otherwise, there's no one else to actually tell the story. So he winds up framing the victim. And so if it's to be, Helen is actually the victim of this crime that she winds up doing, which happens to be back over to Anne's place. And she sees a dog being basically blood all over the place. She's freaked out. I would be freaked out, too. And the... Uh, Basically, she chopped, supposedly chopped off the dog's uh, head with a cleaver. And that scene right there was really bloody. And I was actually and very grotesque. And I, I remember as a kid seeing that and just being freaked out over it because of the fact of how gruesome that scene is. What's, what's crazy is that I, I seen this movie, I, I want to say I seen it at a school. At first I thought I seen it in <laughs> high school and I matched like, how are they showing this to high school kids? And I, it couldn't have been because this came out in 1992. So I was going to college right then. So I had to watch it in a college classroom. But still, how are a bunch of young kids watching this movie? <laughs> <laughs> But, you see, yeah, yeah. Very, and then, my mom, my mom rented this movie for me because I wanted to see. But yeah, I wasn't. I, I, I was just saying, I wasn't certain if, um, like right now, like after the rewatch, I'm not even certain if it was this movie I seen or maybe it was a sequel that I seen because there's a scene that I remember seeing from something called Candyman where you actually see the actual um depiction of what happened with the Candyman. You see Tony Todd being dragged through the fields, captured by some uh. I don't know, captured by some people who believe that he's trying to rape this white woman. So he's a bunch of villagers. That's, got him. Uh, that's part two. Farewell. That's to the part two. So that's the one I saw then, because then you see uh, the bees covering him and, and screaming for help. And and uh, I, so I remember that. So maybe I didn't see this movie after all. And I saw Candyman, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's OK, though. Farewell to the Flesh is actually a pretty good one. Uh, once you get into part three, forget it. I didn't really care for part three at all. But right. The first two are always going to be classics to me to begin with. So, you know, but another thing I want to mention is to how much of a douchebag her husband actually is to her as well, because of the fact that you can definitely tell that he's over there trying to sleep with the students and trying to get in their pants and also to trying to act like that him and Helen are not even together whenever they are together on husband and wife relationship, whenever she does go over there and see him. So it's like a very awkward thing to have your wife in your class. Or when she, um, or whenever she visits him in his classroom, but still, that's your wife, dude. You need to go on ahead and show her some affection, even though that you have students inside the classroom. Well, I, I can understand him not showing affection in the classroom. That that's right. kind of awkward. Not that's everybody's not all touchy feely in the classroom. But what's interesting is that like this is near the very beginning of the movie, so she sees right away that he's eyeballing this one particular student right so she she catches that right away and she probably because uh they got together while she was still a student she was probably a student in his classroom because she's a doctoral candidate and he's a college professor so it that he she can see the same patterns how uh he's coming how he had came on to her he can see him coming on to or go making googly eyes at his other female students so he's uh she's kind of um questioning him like she she's making she's not like direct questions but the way she's looking at him like questioning him and he's answering verbally saying oh i know i'm not cheating on you right he doesn't say exactly <laughs> that but you know 
that's the vibe he gives off. I'm not cheating at all. <laughs> right? He was like, Helen, how could you think that I'm cheating on you with her? She's twice twice as young as I am. What makes you think that I have any kind of feelings for her? Is basically what he's saying. And basically on the outside, he's like, Yeah, I am definitely cheating on you, but right, <laughs> I'm right. gonna play it off like I'm not. Right. But and, and- and we see yeah. that kind of bear out later on in the movie. Then also, too, I like how you see the other professor who's obsessed with Candyman and starts talking about the urban legend and Helen's over there recording him and she's just uh, sync line and sinker with it. But at the same time, you also have the husband who's also insulting her at the same time as the professor is actually talking to her about this urban legend. Right. That's the scene where they're at dinner with the yep. professor and she's a little bit arrogant. Like, cause he says that uh, she says, I'm going to bury you. It's like, you're going to bury me. You don't even know the story. Let me tell you. And cause she doesn't know about the actual origins of the Candyman myth about how he was a slave. Well, he was a freed man during a time of slavery and he got accused of improprieties with a white woman. And he, uh, he got captured by the villagers villagers and they chopped off his hand and uh they poured honey on him and had bees say i can't remember it's it's getting all fuzzy at that point yeah, anyway they, he's a, he's a yeah, they chop soul. off his hand they also put honey on his chest to make the bees come after him and then of course he winds up dying and that's how he becomes the candy man yeah you got that also there was something else that um they also include they didn't really explore it anymore in this movie but uh she finds uh candy with razor blades in them and that's that also has something to do with uh, not the particular legend of this candy man, but basically of candies uh, hurting children when they go out trick or treating. Well, that was actually explored a little bit whenever you saw the gangster trying to act like he's Candyman when he's not Candyman. He's just some guy who's trying to use the name to scare people in that neighborhood. And of course, that's when Helen first gets her introduction into that character. Then she winds up getting knocked out and then she winds up going over to the police station. Right, right. And it was weird that that part was kind of weird because it seemed like he attacked her for no reason because like he she's looking for the candy man, but she's not looking for an actual man. <laughs> then he shows up and he's like, you heard you're looking for the candy man. And Knox, so I was like, <laughs> like, first of all, why? What was the point of attacking her? If you wanted to remain hidden, you could have just stayed hidden like she she was never going to find you. And the other thing is like, well, if you were going to attack her, you might as well hit you because she now she can identify you. That was that was like crime one on one. Don't leave any witnesses. <laughs> and he left a witness. So that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So I don't know. Well, was, he's just a dumb criminal, I guess. He is a dumb criminal, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so you're going to come knocking on my door. So if you keep on knocking on my door, someone's going to answer. So I might as well answer this person. And plus, with her being a white woman, being in a black neighborhood, rough neighborhood at that, she sticks out like a sore thumb. So basically, he's also telling her, look, you need to step off out of our neighborhood and go back to where you came from, too. So that's what I got out of it, though, too, sending a message to Helen. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I I get that, but I I still feel it's like, just very misplaced, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you it's one thing to intimidate somebody and says, "Don't come around here no more," and the other thing, just <laughs> knock them out. I feel like that that was a bad move. <laughs> you just just do the regular intimidation, like wave a gun around or a knife, you know, boo, and surround her with people and push her out of the neighborhood. Do it that way, but don't not assault. No, not a hook. You, you gotta yeah, you gotta go all the way. You can't go halfway. You can't do half measures in this type of thing. You want to commit crime, you got to do crime 101 all the way. You just, this half measures is not, and then you see what happened. You know, he he hit her, 
she comes to, she goes to believe the police identify, well, they gather all people that kind of look like him in a lineup. His voice is very distinctive. She's able to identify him just by listening to him. And then he gets sent to jail. It was like, that was, now, now you feel smart, don't you? Now you're in jail because you assaulted a woman and you didn't finish the job. I'm, I'm an advocate for a proper criminal conduct. I mean, I'm not, this is not something I would do myself, <laughs> I, but mind you. This story, let's just, I am people. not responsible for what Joe, Joe says. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not advocating for violence by any means, but still, if you're going to do be it, smart. be smart. Yeah, be smart about it. That, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely have to agree. It is kind of stupid, especially how she is able to identify him in a lineup. And like you said, he has that very extinct voice. So it's like, how do you not know that's him or anything like that? Because he right. has that deep voice, raspy right. voice. The other thing about it was that uh, his whole thing was not being found and his his actions led to him directly being found counterintuitive right because he was supposed to be this urban legend as well in this ghetto neighborhood and then all of a sudden this white woman just shows up and then she's like okay well i guess what i'm just gonna go in and show up myself now now my urban legend is gone so so there goes the intimidation but it does play off the narrative later on in the reboot of of the film which is not that great of a film but i appreciate what they tried to do with it but um as far as this goes though you know i liked how you know she winds up finally saying helen finally winds up saying the words and she's in that dark parking lot and she's looking at the slides that her friend gave her and then that's when you know Candyman actually shows up out of the blue and tells her to, to be his victim oh yeah was that the part when she uh gets a closer look at one of the slides and she can see his silhouette yeah he she yeah, can see that, his silhouette yeah they, they gave me very uh what's that movie the the movie with harrison ford blade runner gave me very blade runner vibes she was like enhanced <laughs> enhanced on her slides and, and slides don't actually enhance but it was still fun <laughs> 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 it was fun to actually go through that progression of seeing how the slides kept on going until you actually saw the silhouette to where it gives you that creepiness. So I thought that they executed it well, but like you said, the slides don't actually expand that way. Right, right, right. Well, um, I, I don't I don't know how slide machines work. I only used one one time and that was a long time ago. But you're dealing with 35 millimeter film. So the advantage of film over like digital is that if you have the right film, you can get very close and get very much detail. So technically, you d- could do that. I'm, I'm just, I'm not saying that it couldn't be done. I'm just saying it felt a lot like Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> it did have some Blade Runner, Runner kind of vibes to it. Right, right, but, right. But how did you, uh, like, I know we talked about how grotesque the dog is with the dog and everything. Now she's all of a sudden back over to where the detectives are. And now she's having to remove her clothes and everything and now she winds up becoming fall victim to the candy man and of course no one's believing her or anything like that they want to lock her up into a mental institution of course that's okay with the husband because now we can actually sleep with the girl that he's been wanting to sleep with and if right. you remember helen does wind up escaping and then she winds up seeing what's actually going on right her her escape was badass see it's basically with that first murder you kind of realize like she she wakes up like she says Candyman's name five times. He visits her, and then she blacks out. And then when she wakes up, she's she's not holding a bloody knife, but she's near a bloody knife. There's a decapitated dog. And then she goes into the other room. The woman is crying because her baby is missing, because she's in some woman's apartment. And the dog that's dead is her dog. And you mentioned her name earlier. I can't remember. But the, the woman came, because they met earlier. So it's like she's bewildered why she's in this woman's house. Why 
is her dog dead at her feet. And then the woman is charging at her because her baby is missing. And now she thinks that she has to defend herself against this woman. So and she's holding this knife and she's like waving the knife and she cuts the woman. And then the police <laughs> burst in because the woman had already called the police. So she doesn't believe she killed this dog. She thinks that she woke up in a murder scene. But I think it's at this point you kind of realize what it means to be a victim of the Candyman. Exactly. But also, too, if I woke up and there's a knife on the floor and then this woman that you met hours beforehand, which is Anne Marie, and, you know, you're in her apartment, basically you kind of on the fence of breaking and entering whenever you're not realizing that you, why what you're doing there in the first place. I would not be picking up that knife and trying to stab somebody because that's not self-defense. That is literally trying to kill that person while she's inside that same apartment complex. That's what I got out of it. Right. Killing somebody in her own home. I I understand why she picked up the knife. Like she woke up, she heard somebody screaming. So she felt like, because she didn't know what she was Mm. at first. So she felt like, you know, maybe somebody's coming after me. Like if somebody's screaming, then maybe they are being attacked too. Right. So she wakes up, maybe somebody's being attacked. So she got the knife, maybe to defend herself from the attacker. Come to find out she's probably the attacker. She probably did it. And then, you know, after that winds up happening, like I said, then Triffer uh, bails her out of jail. And then Helen finds Candyman in a photographic slide, like we mentioned. And then after that, a month later, psychiatrist Dr. Brooke interviews Helen to prepare her for upcoming trial. She attempts to prove her innocence by summoning the Candyman, who appears and murders Dr. Uh, Brooke, allowing her to escape despite being framed for Brooke's murder, like you mentioned. Right. Then she returns. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny because that was the first time. I think that's the first and only time that Candyman personally murders somebody. <laughs> and it was gruesome. <laughs> it was a that was that was intense. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah, you don't see much. Basically, he rams his hook into the guy's back with just the motion and all the gurgling and the blood splatter. That that was pretty gnarly. And then when he goes out the window, it's like he flies backwards out the window. That was that was spectacular. And then you see a bunch of bees fall like he just transformed into a bunch of bees as he actually goes out the window, which I thought was actually pretty cool on how they actually did that. For that special effects back in 92, that, that was actually top notch back then for right. what they did. Yeah, it was, so, it was spectacular. But like then I'll oh, go ahead. Oh, go going ahead i know that you were going to say something <laughs> no i was just going to say that uh, i mentioned earlier that her escape was spectacular how she it was almost james bondian in how she got out you know she goes out the window she's crawling on the building and then she forces her way in back into the building attacked this other person this one she did kill or i think she she attacked her some kind of way and took her clothes and then pretended to be uh, a nurse or an orderly and escaped out the building that way so it was, uh, she had some she was made of sterner stuff escaping in that way most definitely and then, of course, uh, this is also another thing, too, that winds up happening. So Helen confronts uh, Cabrini Green to rescue uh, Anthony when she finds the Candyman in his lair. He tells her that surrendering to him will ensure Anthony's safety. Offering heaven, uh, Helen immunity, the Candyman opens his coat, revealing a rib cage withered in bees. Now, this is where everybody talks about that this was actually real bees that they use for yeah, this. That, that's spectacular. I, I didn't know if they were real or not. All I know, I, I don't know how. I could be an actor or a stern person standing still as 
you know, bees are flying over me. But there was a show, there were lots of shows, but there's one show in particular I used to watch. It's called That's Incredible. And they would show incredible stuff that people did, stunts and whatnot. So one of the things that they showed were like guys that were on the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most amount of bees that covered their body. So it's not like it's impossible. I just don't want to be that person having bees crawling all over me. <laughs> Same here. That's like the last thing I want. If, if that was the case, I need a higher paycheck if I'm going to do that. Right. Because I know I don't want none of that. That's for sure. Right, right. And so, I have to give credit to Tony Todd for wanting to do that, though. So he did do that. That was him with actual bees crawling on his face. Yeah. That's that's crazy. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do that either. Like, right. it's like, well, guess what we're going to do today, sir? What's that? Well, get some honey, get some bees, because guess what? You're going to be wrapped up in bees today. I'm like, ah. Uh, well, my two o'clock is uh, about to open, so I'm going to go this way, and that's going to be the end of me. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah, That that's wow. Because that, it looked real. I was like, wow, those bees look real. They, they can't be real, though. These are great special effects. <laughs> <laughs> but don't forget, though, during 1992, we didn't really have a green screen or anything like that, so they had a shoot for a practical, you know? Right, right. So, ooh, that, that well, just I, makes my skin crawl. <laughs> I imagine they would do something like half, like, uh, they, they would probably make a bunch of tiny like uh what do you call those things like i don't know model bees tiny model bees and they will paste them on his face and they would kind of <laughs> move the camera in a certain way where it looks like the bees are moving or whatever or maybe they'd get a body double and they would have a real close-up on his jawline where you can see the body double actually has the bees on his face and then when you pull back you see the fake bees on tony todd's face i i, I buy that i, I don't want to <laughs> see real bees on somebody's face <laughs> i don't either i'd rather just Hey, I give him 100% for being dedicated, but no, that's not going to happen to me. I just want a stunt person to go in my place for that. Right. But but no, then, of course, after that winds up happening, he pours out of his mouth and kisses her and streams down her throat. He vanishes with Anthony and Helen awakes to discover mural of the Candyman and his lover who bears striking resemblance to her. Then the Candyman releases Anthony and Helen keeps, uh, helps him strike beer into the Cabrini Green residence, attempting to feed his legend. So what did you think about the whole bonfire? thing and about how she was taking the baby because the baby was in the fire right she was yeah. trying to rescue the baby right yeah so we saw them building the the bonfire so in uh caprini green they had built this like structure it's basically just a bunch of a wooden junk that the residents had piled up into this huge pile. And she had asked earlier, what's that for? And she's, and they said, I think the little boy told her it was for the bonfire. So they was going to have a bonfire for some reason. It's kind of weird. Some kind of weird Candyman tradition because they believed in him. That He kept talking about his congregation and the residents were his congregation. They were the ones that really believed in him. And he, he basically need, needed Helen to commit these murders to, you know, bolster that belief. So they built the structure and then for what, you know, that I guess he felt that Helen's commitment it might be wavering or something so he took the baby that he kidnapped from this other woman and he put that baby in the middle of this wooden structure and and then the residents not knowing there's a baby in there they set it on fire and so now <laughs> helen not want to see this baby burn and feeling probably guilty for attacking this for killing this baby's mother's dog and attacking his mother she felt guilty so she goes into the bonfire not wanting to sacrifice his baby and getting burnt but rescuing the baby so that, that was a pretty cool act of heroism and i liked how uh it's like basically she perishes rescuing this baby so that that kind of elevates the movie into something more than just plain horror exactly and it also gives a, helen a chance to actually have some redeemable qualities about her in a sense to where it's like okay this story winded up ruining her life but now she has a way to redeem it by trying to rescue this baby and not make it the forefocus of her story anymore 
So yeah. that's what I got out of it. And then, of course, she winds up rescuing the baby. But I'm also thinking, too, with the baby, I wonder if that was actually Candyman's way of trying to sacrifice the baby so the way he, the baby can live on through a new version of Candyman since we actually got that reboot now. That's how I'm looking at it now. But I could be wrong. But that's just me looking at it through the reboot lens as well. <clears throat> yeah, I'm but, not sure. I, it seemed to me that Candyman really wanted to burn that baby. And he was upset <laughs> that Helen tried to rescue the baby. And then she ended up basically uh, being part of the the what whatever you would call the the spirit that Candyman is. She became a similar type of spirit. Now she has she also has uh, become legend and an effigy at the end of the movie. See an effigy of her. Well, not an effigy, but a painting of her burning in fire. And uh, she's part of that myth now. She's part of the Candyman myth. And apparently, that's what as far as this first movie is concerned that's what he wanted all along or at least that was one of the things he wanted he also wanted to burn that baby i can't maybe because uh that that would be that that would be their child that could be it he wanted a candy man family that goes around burning peoples with hooks that could be it right but i think what else was really creepy for me as a kid was seeing him crash through the mirrors and you see the hook and, it, and that part still got gets me every single time for that jump scare and i know what's gonna happen but yet I, because it's this very still silence because there's no background music or anything like that it's just very still silence and then all of a sudden you see the hand pop out with the hook and trying to uh, get at helen i thought that that scene still haunts me now today yeah that was actually a that was a very good jump scare because this movie has almost no jump scares. I think that was the only one really. And it got me, it looked like a giant hook. I might be yeah. misremembering it, but it looked like a giant hook comes out the bathroom mirror and is trying to get Helen. It's like, cause sometimes he's chasing Helen and sometimes he's trying to convince Helen to be his victim, but he doesn't explain what that means. And I think uh, what it means is he's, um, he's basically using Helen to commit these murders for him. And, and I think that bolsters his, her belief in him it's different from or other horror movies in that you know scream came close when it says like that the call is coming from inside the house but in Candyman, the, it's not that the killer is inside the house making phone calls you are the killer you are the one perpetrating these crimes you, you can't just wake up <laughs> with a bloody knife or wake up in a puddle of blood and and somebody's dead next to you and think that uh you're not somehow involved so that's basically exactly. what happened exactly and then of course you wind up seeing trevor saying Helen's name in the mirror and he winds up getting killed by Helen. And of course it's like a burnt up corpse of Helen, which to me, I was thinking to myself, okay, is this anything to do with the bloody Mary, uh, urban legend where you say, uh, bloody Mary five times and bloody Mary pops up behind you. So that's another thing I was thinking of as a kid was the bloody Mary, uh, urban legend whenever right. I saw Helen. Oh, and also the gag is like at this time he's fully living with <clears throat> his new girlfriend and it's not that Helen kills him, but he kills him through the new girlfriend. So now the girlfriend wakes up with a bloody knife and covered <laughs> in blood, being accused of killing her brand new professor boyfriend uh, who was killed by Helen. So yeah, that, that was actually pretty good. It definitely was. I, I still have fun watching this movie. I have to watch it at least once a, once a year for Halloween and stuff like that just to get some spooky vibes. Although Farewell to the Flesh does a good job because it's centered around New Orleans and stuff like that with voodoo and things like that. So that's something else that I really appreciate with, appreciate with Farewell to the Flesh. So that's another one of my favorite Candyman movies. Right. I'll probably have to check that out. This Overall, this movie was not 
not that bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be because I don't remember it being like thoroughly impressed by it or all that scared by it. But upon the second viewing, it, it really was a decent movie. I felt like if I had a better director um, mm-hmm. who could have raised the suspense, because what this movie really needed was the type of suspense you get from watching something like Silence of the Lands. It had, if it had that level of suspense, then I think that this could have been one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> I think so too. I think this could have actually been a I'll be honest with you, I think it could have actually been bigger than what it needed to be, you know? Here's the thing. This movie is also has more of a detective vibe from it than it does an actual horror aspect to it. Because like you said, this is more of Helen investigating the urban legend of the Candyman. And then, of course, you wind up having Candyman come in in the middle of your film versus it being in the first five, ten minutes. So it has like a very slow pace, slow build, which is something I like. I like slow tension and slow build, which is why I like the Conjuring films with the first two films. But this one, to me, is just pretty good, in my opinion. But it could have been better. (laughs) Right, right. It didn't... uh, I don't mind a slow build myself. But yeah. But the reason that you have a slow build is to build tension and to and to have a satisfying release of that tension and when you have that then what you have on your hands is a, a very good film so this was like this movie was right on the cusp of ge- being great it's like it was missing it was like you're eating a meal and the meal is missing something it's like oh yeah i know what it is it's salt if it just had a little bit more salt <laughs> or just a little if if it had hot peppers or something like that is so i'm not like a professional film critic or a filmmaker so yeah. i couldn't tell you what was missing but i know that there's something is missing i know what i like <laughs> exactly that, that's a, you know what i'm not a film critic either i'm a film reviewer so there's a difference between movie critics and film movie film reviewers so that's what i am oh but yeah i can definitely when you know that something is just bland and it needs a little bit something added onto it to maybe extend a certain scenes or whatever to give it a cutting edge then yeah you know for a fact that once that tension is released it's there but for this one it's not there for you the way that you wanted it to be so i totally understand where you're coming from and i just want to tell everybody this too this movie only had a budget of eight to nine million dollars it also made 25.8 million at the box office yeah hence the sequel and hence the attempt to it actually had multiple sequels like you mentioned one but there must have been like four and i think most of them went to dvd and then you have this new film that just came out so yeah there have been people they've been trying to revive and we work the Candyman mythos from uh for a long time this movie would probably be would probably work well as a television anthology where you know the Candyman it appears in every episode some kind of way or one of his uh prodigy like the burning helen or something <laughs> so, burning yeah. helen. Candyman. Yeah. burning helen right right <laughs> somebody's Somebody chips up and says Helen instead of a uh, candy man. And then she shows right. up. So yeah, the, the bald headed, badly burned Helen shows up, shows up in your window or your, or your mirror. And then next thing you know, you're committing crimes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the two films, this one and farewell to the flesh were both in theatrical versions. It's just that Candyman day of the dead, which is the third film that I said that I didn't really like was a straight to DVD release. And I remember renting that at blockbuster and being very disappointed <laughs> So, right. but I rented the first two films and I really love those. But so I do appreciate you being on the, on the show tonight and talking about Candyman. I can't wait to do more stuff with you. I had a blast doing short circuit with you and stuff like that. So I can't wait to go back and, uh, and listen to your podcast. And of course, being on your podcast as well. And I'm in, don't worry. There's going to be plenty of times whenever I'm going to have you back over here as well. Thanks. I really appreciate it. This is my uh, first live appearance. So this is awesome. That's why I put on my glasses. I was like, oh, I want to look good for this. <laughs> 
Hey, you're looking fly, man. You're looking fly. I gotta tell you. <laughs> right, right. But, but dude, it's, it's it's a pleasure. If you want to follow Zoe, all his st- stuff will be in the description box below. Don't forget to smash that like button. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Don't forget, we're actually doing our Game of Thrones House of the Dragon review on Wednesday nights now, eight o'clock Central Time, nine o'clock Eastern Time. Always until next time, guys. It's been real. It's been fun. Stay safe out there, and bye bye.